Hello, Central New York, and hello, hockey fans all across the internet, and welcome to the Central New York Hockey Report podcast. I'm your host, Scott Kinville, and as you can already tell, things are a little different tonight. Uh, there was no intro music because I am not in the studio. And if you're going to be watching on YouTube, you'll also be able to tell that, obviously, that I'm not in the studio. Uh, Dave the Save uh, is unavailable tonight. Uh, as we've talked on previous episodes, his wife was elected mayor down here in Little Falls, and uh, he's actually uh, attending a meeting right now. Um, they're they're kind of tag teaming as far as uh, what they got to do to make sure everything gets done. So I'm on my own, but I'm not on my own because, like I was saying last time we were on the air, this week is going to be our Syracuse Crunch at the All Star break. And you know what? I, as whenever we talk about the Crunch, we have to have this guest on because we just can't do a Crunch show without her. It doesn't seem right. So you know what? On this National Girls and Women in Sports Day. We have the host of the most awesome Syracuse Crunch podcast there is out there. I like to think of her as the Crunch Queen, as a matter of fact. So I'm just going to bring her in. You want to be like her, but you can't. She is the one. She is the only Alex Ackerman. Alex, how are you? Can you please just follow me around all day long? And whenever <laughs> I enter a room or a Teams meeting or a Zoom call with, with a vendor of EdTech <laughs> software, can you just introduce me? Because that was just really up my confidence levels. That was that was amazing and very kind of you. Thank you. I am doing very well. How are you? I am great. And you know, now you got me thinking, you know, how awesome that would be. Like I could even have a kazoo. So so like when royalty, there used to be a trumpet or whatever. I'll just bring a kazoo. <laughs> so the next <laughs> People will be totally thrown off. They won't know what to think. It'll be a totally to an advantage to you. So, <laughs> I love it. Thank you for that. That again, yeah. that was very kind. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> what are friends for, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we are here to talk about the Syracuse Crunch as the American Hockey League is currently on an All Star break. Uh, they just had the All Star Classic this week, past weekend, out in San Jose. And uh, they're not going to be returning to action until Friday night. So what we want to do is we want to take a look at this season so far that the Crunch have had. We're going to break it down into different categories, offense, defense, goaltending, special teams. Take a look at the road ahead, and we're going to have some fun doing it. That sounds fantastic. All righty then. Okay, so Alex, you know, so far this season, the Crunch are 24-14-3-2 overall. Uh, they're 12-6-3-1 at home, 12-8-0-1 on the road. They played 43 games. You got 29 left. I got to tell you something. As a Crunch fan, I don't think that there's really much that's gone wrong this year. No. I have to say, like, if you look at the teams from the previous seasons, I honestly think that especially as you look at playoff performance, they've underperformed, if, if anything. This team in particular, I think, has way exceeded – even the most optimistic expectations about the season. When we gathered this past summer to talk about the roster, it, it, it was hard to feel really super positive or excited about the team's chances. You know, you, you know what young blood can do in the American Hockey League. You know what new coaching staffs can do to invigorize teams and, and really help them to figure things out. But at the same time, it was still really hard to envision what this season was going to turn out to be. And through injuries on their own roster, through a, just a carousel of injuries up with the lightning, 
everything has just seemed to work out in favor of this team. And they're, they've been really fun and exciting to watch. They really, truly have. And I mean, you know, and you, I'm going to touch on that for just a second. Well, you mentioned with the lightning. So is it me? And maybe it's just me seeing things wrong. I don't know. You tell me. Does it seem like this season that the lightning have leaned on the crunch more than in previous seasons? Because for the past few seasons, especially during the cup runs, it seemed like pretty much steady sailing up there in Tampa Bay where, you know, occasionally you have to call somebody up because of, you know, an injury or whatever. But this season, I, I think you described it best when you said it's been a carousel. Yeah, no, you are absolutely not wrong. And it, there's been a lot of think pieces actually on this lately, just because the Lightning has had to lean on Syracuse a lot more. And Syracuse has found itself missing multiple large pieces of their roster at a time, which has been a little stressful for the fans. But somehow they've managed to figure it out and make it work and keep the chemistry flowing. But there have definitely been from the start of the season when we discovered that Andre Vavileski needed back surgery. And so then that started a rotation of random goalies of whomever the Lightning could find, including people from other organizations that just sort of made a pit stop. Um, Thank you, Carolina, for not having an NHL team. <laughs> right? I know. That um, wasn't a situation I expected to work out to Syracuse's advantage six months ago. But, hey. <laughs> well, <I did>. no. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, the, the AHL is all about imp- improvisation all the time, right? Like, we improv constantly in this league. So I really think that it it's just – it's a testament to – the coaching staff and the players, they're just really, you know, it's funny because I haven't heard the next man up philosophy mentioned yet. I have a feeling it's probably going to be coming soon just because hockey does tend to fall on those cliches, but really that has been the team's philosophy. Like, okay, we're missing three forwards and two defensemen, including our entire veteran core. Great. Okay. You know, 20 year old, here you go. Here's your chance to show what you can do on the top pairing or, you know. What are they? Please say it. They're babies. Thank you. They're babies. (laughs) And for a good couple of games in like mid December, Syracuse had no veterans on the roster. I think it was mid December or mid January because they were either hurt or (laughs) recalled. So the babies really had to like step in and be adults. And, you know, the team has managed it. The The improv has worked and it, it really has been a, a very intense year as far as trying to gain some, some kind of sure footing with everything that's been going on. Oh, absolutely. And you're right. I mean, some of them are so young. I mean, they came into the locker room saying, well, coach, I got to be home by 10 because I got homework to do for tomorrow. <laughs> right. Like I can't, I can't drink. I can't, you know, do, I can't rent a car. There's so many things that I just can't do. So, you know, let's just tuck me in and, and send me off to bed. And, you know, they've really, you know, and to be serious for just a second. Well, we'll try. You know, I know, (laughs) but these young players really have had to step into big roles and big minutes and they've had to perform. And that's a lot of pressure on, you know, these guys. So I have to admit, I have to give credit where it's due. You know, it's it. They've they've held this season 
together come hacker high water. And it's, it's probably been one of the more revolutionary seasons that I've seen this team play in a long time because of that. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, you're absolutely right. And I mean, again, we talked about it going into this season. Alex Beret-Boulay has finally got his chance in Tampa Bay. He's he's a regular now. He's not coming back to Syracuse. There's no if and or buts about it, which, hey, you know what? Happy for him. He finally got his chance up there, but that was a lot of points that went up to Tampa Bay as well. Then you have a change behind the bench. You got a brand new coach coming in, Coach Bouchard. All of these changes, all this uncertainty. But, you know, talk for a little bit about the impact that Coach Bouchard's had, because it seems to me, and like you said, with all the young players and all the turmoil, he has calmed the waters every single day, every single time. It's been really refreshing, honestly, watching him interact with the players, whether it's during the game. The last time I was on in December, we talked a little bit about his post-game speeches that the team has been posting every now and then, watching the way that he supports the players, watching the way he encourages the players supporting each other. So we have that dynamic going on. And, you know, to even just watching him during the games, he is a very different coach than, than coach Ben grew. He is much more expressive. You can tell he's talking to the players. He's talking to the officials. You can see when he is displeased. You can see when he's happy, you know, he's willing to trust his players with some risks. Syracuse apparently had a, a power play earlier this couple of weeks ago where they decided to go six on four, pull the goalie yeah. during a power play. Not sure what that was about, but, um, it, it okay. blew up in their faces, but he trusted them to do it. <laughs> you know what? I got. I think it made it all the way to Sports Center, didn't it? Probably. Oh, I mean, it's not exactly the most normal thing to do during, you know, a man it's advantage. Not, like, there's no such thing just, as bad press, though. You know, well, absolutely. And so, you know, you have moments like that, and I've heard from the fans too, from different engagements with season ticket holders and regular fans he'll walk right up to people and just start talking and you know introduce himself where you know coach ben he was the rookie whisperer and we heard this for many years where he really could draw a lot of great things out of the younger players and he clearly had the respect of the older players or else like players like gabriel dumont wouldn't keep returning to the organization and signing ahl contracts when they could really still swing a two-way in most other organizations. But that engagement certainly was not there. Coach Ben was a very private individual. He never let the, the media team into the locker room. That was never anything that fans got to see. He very seldom even did post-game interviews in his final season with the team. You know, I think he was just a much different individual. So it's been really refreshing having somebody new come in. And it's nice to see that the results are are coming through, that, that his efforts are paying off. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you, you touched on this in the latest episode of Syracuse Speech, which, by the way, it was awesome, uh, available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, you mm -hmm. touched on the, the, the organization as a whole, not only with, with Coach Bouchard being as outgoing as he is, the organization just seems to be having so much fun. I mean, you talked about the, the 12 days of Crunchmas. The, the, they're putting out videos left and right, and you can see just how expressive Bouchard is in the locker room like you talked about. It just seems like everybody's – they're loose. They're mm -hmm. playing very loose. They're just – they're having fun. And you know what? <laughs> that, that has led to a tremendous amount of success this year. Yeah, I would never want to – 
Like, I, I've heard a couple people say that like, this is the best team Syracuse has had since 2007, eight. And it's like, you left off to Calder cup finals yeah. in that, Oops. you know, <laughs> statement. So I'm not going to quite go that far, but the, the vibe to borrow a phrase from the youths um, really does remind me of the 2016-17 team, which was the last team that Syracuse had go to the Calder Cup final. And that team was the lip sync year for those of us who remember that year where the team put out a series of very successful lip syncing videos, um, the final of which was the, the culminating I want it that way by the Backstreet Boys, which my little millennial heart just wound <laughs> over. It just melted. It really did. They did such a great, they had the outfits. Like as soon as I saw the pictures in the white outfits, I was like, I know what they're doing. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, that team, you could tell that they liked each other. You could tell that they were playing for each other. And you could tell that they celebrated each other's successes. And not for nothing, that was the first year that Coach Ben Grew was with Syracuse. So I'm getting very similar vibes from Coach Bouchard's first year with this team. Yeah, absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt. And, it, and sometimes it's just amazing what a different voice in the room will do. Yeah. You know, like you say, even, you know, with the, the respect that, that Coach Ben had, again, sometimes it, it, that's all it takes is just to have a little bit of a different, well, as you said, vibe, a different voice. And, and there you go. Um, but again, and, and I do want to give a shout out to, to Megan Cahill, uh, Jim Sorosi, our Dolgan. I mean, the, the whole staff up there, it just does an awesome job of keeping that, that social media hopping because it is one of the funnest sites around. Yeah. And, and I really appreciate that. And I don't want to call out any other organization that I know that you also cover rather extensively. I appreciate that for the most part, the, the Crunch's social media team keeps it positive. Yes. Yes, that's huge. That is I, huge. I, I feel like there's enough negativity out there, especially on social media. You don't mm -hmm. have to go far for negativity on social media. Boy, you ain't kidding. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I don't need AHL teams quibbling back and forth and, and engaging in slamming yeah. each other on Twitter, X, whatever you want to yep, call it. <laughs> You know, exactly. the, the, the world is hard enough right now. So I really appreciate the team's social media approach and how they, they do attempt to keep it fun and light and positive. There's not a real personality there, which is fine. I'd rather there be no personality and have it be promoting the team rather than be known as kind of a jerk. That's yeah. just not my style personally. So I'm very happy that that's the direction they decided to go in. I totally agree. There's nothing wrong with a good ribbon every once in a while, but there's also lines that kind of need to be respected and boundaries that you just kind of stay within. And yeah, I, I totally get that. Totally. So I'll tell you what, why don't we start our breakdown of this season so far? And uh, we're going to start with the offense, right? So we had mentioned Alex Brabelay's up in Tampa, but they're holding their own, right? So, so far for this season, the Crunch have scored 3.12 goals per game, which is 14th in the AHL. Uh, they've taken, let's see, 29.02 shots. I mean, no, that sounds kind of ridiculous, but that's how the AHL breaks it down. <laughs> so that's 20th in the league. So right about in the middle. But, you know, this team just seems to score goals when they really do need them. It's not exactly in bunches, but when they need a goal, they get a goal. 
Yeah. And, and one of the things that we had stressed from previous seasons that we weren't seeing was the scoring being spread out throughout the roster. Right. And I honestly think that that's a little bit of the secret sauce that's going on with this team, because you do have people at the top of the point leaderboard that are far out ahead of their teammates. But once you get past those first couple, everything kind of evens out and you can see that there's a real level of contribution coming from really the first, I would say 15 people on the roster. And that right there is something that Syracuse really hasn't had these past couple of seasons. And that has made them very um, easy to beat, especially going into the end of the season and then into the playoffs. So I honestly think that, you know, that is a huge piece of what we're seeing this team do and accomplish is that they, they score when they need the momentum. Um, I would like to see them, you know, maybe close a game out or two with, with a really nice, you know, lead instead of it always seeming to come down to, to the last minute, but well, you know, you know, you can't have it all, right? Like, come on. That's overrated. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, given the age of the roster, I suppose I can't, I can't ask for too much here. Um, but, you know, I, I honestly think that they score goals when they need to. Absolutely. And they're getting contributions from the majority of their players, which is really all you can ask for in a league where inconsistency and and craziness just happens on a daily basis. No doubt about it. No doubt. I'll tell you, there's one player to me that's really stood out as far as stepping up this year. And, and it's just, it, I guess it's kind of the natural progression because you can just see the trajectory that he's on is uh, Gage Gonsalves. He has been outstanding for the crunch this year. He leads the team in points with 37. He's also uh, leading them in assists, which he's eighth in the AHL in assists. Uh, he's been unbelievable. I mean, I got to tell you, I think he's going to be knocking on the door for a spot in Tampa Bay next season. I, I absolutely would agree, you know, and I don't think it's going to take him the amount of tries that it took like Barry Boulay to, to make it. I think that the lightning is invested in Gonsalves. I think they know what they have. Um, I think at this point in time, just because of the way that their team is and the spaces that they have, you know, they'd rather he stay in Syracuse and get top minutes and keep adding to his point totals and, you know, his playmaking ability, which is 100 uh, percent really kind of floated to the top this year. You know, 30 of his 37 points are assists. So, you know, it, it, it is definitely his bread and butter this year to to be out there, to be making the plays, to be enabling his teammates to score and to be where he needs to be to be the most impressive player. So he has come a long way and it'll be very exciting to see what's up next for him. Although hopefully it doesn't happen too soon because Syracuse <laughs> could continue to use him for the next couple of months for sure. For sure. Absolutely. So you just really pray that there's no more injuries in Tampa Bay. Let's just keep that, keep him in Syracuse. Uh, as far as the offense goes, who else do you think has really kind of gone above and beyond this season? I have been very impressed by Joe Carroll. I don't know where exactly he came from, 
I remember many people, including myself, slating him for Orlando, Syracuse's ECHL team this past season. Uh, and he has 100% played himself into a regular role with the team. He is eighth on the team in points. He has 17 of them, 10 goals, seven assists. So he is up near the top of the roster as far as goals go. And he has 100% as a rookie in this league played himself into the conversation around this team and, and what they're managing to do. And then I think the, the easy choice in this is, is Felix Robert. Um, he has 27, 28 points, excuse me, 11 goals, 17 assists. He is a fun player to watch out there. He's very much in the style of like a Tyler Johnson. He's a shorter player. Yep. He's fast. He's quick. Um, you know, I think he's very personable. He was, I believe he was the poor person in the Crunchmas video, the 12 days of Crunchmas who didn't know the song. And so all of his teammates had to kind of help him out because he couldn't understand why he didn't know the song. (laughs) So, I mean, you can tell he's well-liked. You can tell that he's doing everything that he should be doing. So, you know, in terms of the forward crew, I think that those two are the ones that that stand out in my mind with the other rookie, Maxine Groshev, coming in as an honorable mention. Um, he is another one that is clearly using this time to his advantage. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. And, you know, the thing with Joe Carroll, too, I think, what was it, four or five of his goals are game winners. Yeah, he he is an energy player. He gets out there. He makes a difference. And just like you were saying before, he scores when the team needs him to, which reminds me a lot of like a Daniel Walcott, right? Like very similar type of player when it comes to scoring goals. They might not score all the time. They might not score consistently. But when the team needs that goal, they're there and they get it done. And, and I've just been, especially for a rookie, I've been extremely impressed with with Carroll in particular this season. Yeah, and definitely just like we've been saying, a running theme. The young players stepping up for the crunch this season. Uh, before we move on to the defense, welcome to the show, Jordan. This is – I had no clue beforehand, so I had to write up stats quick. So if anything's off, that's my why. Fault. That's my fault. <laughs> That's okay. Um, So we'll move on to the defense here. So the defense, Alex, has been outstanding for the crunch this year. Uh, Goals against per game, they're at 2.72, which is third in the AHL. And they're only allowing 26.77 shots per game, which is also third in the AHL. So really, that, that defense has helped the fact with the offense, even though they're not scoring in bunches, if that defense is holding you in a game, hey, you get that timely goal, look what happens. You get two points. Yeah, I don't know what the babies have in their formula, but um, (laughs) they need to keep drinking it because (laughs) that in particular was not the performance I expected out of this group. After losing Darren Radish to a spot with the Lightning, which good for Radish, well-deserved, but boy, that hurt. Um, You know, losing... The other veteran defenseman. Uh, Anaheim. Yes, thank you. Um, Like, and then just being left with, um, you know, 
Yeah, one <laughs> one veteran defenseman and Sean Day, who, according to the crunch, is not actually considered a veteran yet, which I kind of he's really? been with the team for forever. So I thought he was. Um, but being left with Phil Myers and and then, you know, Sean Day as the oldest people on the blue line, <laughs> I was not feeling optimistic, as I'm sure many of your your viewers and listeners will remember. <laughs> <laughs> But they have really been impressive this season. It seems like no matter what the coaching staff has had to do with the pairings, you know, Phil Myers has gotten called up and sent down a couple of times. Sean Day has gotten called up and and sent down a couple of times. You know, regardless of what they've had to do, the blue line has been this team's backbone. And I probably haven't been able to say that since Luke Wachowski and Slater Cuckoo were out there skating around, which it so it it's been a while. Okay, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's been amazing to watch this blue line pull it together and really hold the other teams to those numbers that you just mentioned. Yeah, I'll tell you who's really impressed me on the Crunch Blue Line is Jack Thompson, who, along with Gage Gonsalves, just got back from the All-Star break, uh, which you really hit the nail on the head in your latest episode with Syracuse Speaks. I totally agree with you that the AHL really needs to look at how they're doing that because that is just a raw deal. I'm sorry. That's that's terrible. These, I mean, everybody was playing on Saturday, and they're expected to jump on a plane, go across the country to San Jose, yeah I, I yeah I mean without even diving too far into it I I totally agree because listen if if you're going to do that give them a day off in between at least you know but anyways uh back to my story uh Jack Thompson who really like you said you know with with, with Carrick going and Radish going uh-oh what are we going to do well <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to call on Jack Thompson who's basically just got the bat signal and he came swooping in for the crunch like Batman <laughs> he leads the team with 104 shots. He's among the, the AHL's leaders in points uh, amongst defensemen. You've got to see him quite a bit up there. What do you think? He, he It's very clear that the team, despite his age and, and some of his inexperience, which, as we all know, means basically nothing in this league, you know, he has an A on his chest for a reason. And it's fascinating to me that the coaching staff were able to see something in him despite being brand new themselves. Like they walked into this team and they knew who the captain was. I mean, that there really wasn't any argument yeah. there. And and they knew who one alternate alternate was. Walcott was not losing that A on his yeah. job. I think that would have been problematic had the coaching staff decided to change that. But that second A was up for grabs. And instead of giving it to Phil Myers or Sean Day, they gave it to Jack Thompson. They saw something in him from the first moments that they worked with him. And that, you know, I don't know if it was a gamble so much, but it was a little unorthodox. That decision, you can tell at this point in time what they saw and how accurate they were with it because he has been one of the most reliable, steady, you know, and I have over the years, I have not been the biggest fan of offensive defensemen. Um, 
the way that offensive defensemen have to play in the American Hockey League, I don't like it because it tends to be a learning process. A lot of mistakes happen. Thompson doesn't make those mistakes. He has 29 points in 41 games, and he is not a liability. He's the, the exact opposite out there, and it is very clear why they looked to him for a leadership position in that dressing room. Yeah, absolutely, and I believe he's also right up there in plus minus, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Jordy, do you have that stat available? I mean, I know I gave you five minutes to come up with all this because I'm such a cool guy like that. But uh, uh, his plus minus came in at a minus seven, but was I thought he was up there, huh? Okay, oh, you know, I'm thinking of Declan Carlisle. Sorry, yeah. okay, yeah. my chicken scratch I got written down here because <laughs> I really should just type things out, but I don't, yeah, yeah. I, I'm Every show that. is an adventure, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, seriously, though, I mean, if if anybody needed to step up on that blue line, it was definitely, they needed that. And Jack Thompson has more than provided it for him. Absolutely. Um, just an aside, Jason, it's very nice to meet you. I think the last time I was on, you kept blinking in and off, um, in and out, but I never actually got to have you, you know, with me on the show. So it's nice to meet you. Yeah. It's nice to meet you too. Yeah. Last yeah. time it, there's always technical issues. So yeah, it's kind of the running joke around here. Because he does another show called The Common Flock. So me and Dave always make fun of him and say, oh, he just flew away. And he loved it. <laughs> but now it was Dave that flew away tonight. So yep. what are we, we going to do? <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you what. Moving right along, uh, what goes hand-in-hand with defense? Well, that's the goaltending, right? So if you have a good defense, it helps the goaltenders. And uh, the Crunch have gotten solid goaltending from two guys. Uh Hugo Allenafault, who was expected to be the starter this year, and you know it was we talked about it before the show. It was a little shaky <laughs> at the start of the season. Who's going to do what here? Because it was almost like a, a, a carousel in Syracuse, especially when uh, they got to borrow uh, Piotr Kochekov. I think I said it right. I'm not sure. I think so. I mean, I can't tell you, but nicely done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you notice I had to really slow down for that too because. <laughs> but anyways, um, thanks to the Carolina Hurricanes not having an AHL team, uh, the Crunch got to borrow him for a little bit, and he was spectacular in his time in Syracuse. Uh, on the fall, kind of got off to a slow start, but I think that really helped him just be able to get his uh, to study the to study the ship, so to speak. Uh, and then once uh, Kochekov was gone, on the fall started to step it up. Really, he did. Um, for a while, he had uh, Helberson backing him up, and now he's in Orlando, I believe. Uh, Matt Tompkins, I think, doesn't get enough credit for the job that he's done stepping in either. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's really challenging at, in this league because even though you have a number one goalie and a number two goalie, it I don't think it necessarily plays out that way on most teams in terms of playing time. You know, in the NHL, your your number one goalie is going to carry you for 50, 60 games easy. Right. The AHL doesn't really work that way. The schedule is much more intense than at the national level. And, you know, you, you simply can't play a goaltender as, as met for as many games in a row as you might at the national level. So, you know, I do think that having – an interloper, so to speak, from another organization at the start of the season through Elnafelt a little bit. And, you know, goalies are always a little bit of a different type of 
player. The mental game for goalies, I do think is a little bit different. And so, you know, it did take him a little bit to find his groove, but now that he has, he has been looking like the goaltender that we were hoping he was going to look like coming into this season for sure. Absolutely. What is it they say? Goalies are voodoo. I think that's the saying. Um, but, that is the saying. <laughs> but, uh, see, look, I got two in a row right. I better just shut up for the rest of the show now because I'm about to screw something up here. Uh, but, but no, in 19 games played, Aldafal is 9-5-4. and four. He's got a 2.37 goals against average, a 909 save percentage, and he's got two shutouts. Now, the important thing to remember here is that he is eighth in the AHL in goals against average. Uh, he's 20th in save percentage and 12th in shutouts. So to say that he really turned that slow start around uh, is basically an understatement at this point. And I had mentioned Matt Tompkins. So it's actually been a pretty even split as far as games played between the two goaltenders, right? So Tompkins has got 16 goal or games played. Uh, he's 8-7-1, a 256 uh, goals against average, 904 save percentage. He doesn't have any shutouts. But... I think the, the really big thing with Tompkins here is he's able to keep Elnafelt fresh, which I think is going to serve Syracuse very well going forward into the playoffs. I think the coaching staff has been really focusing on that. There was actually a practice a couple of weeks ago where they had a couple goalies from the Binghamton Black Bears of Federal Hockey League. I think that's the Black Bears down here in the Southern tier. Yeah. Um, they went up and did practice with the crunch somehow, some way. And, and, and I assume, although we didn't get any information on this, that that was to help keep the goalies fresh and to give them a day off from practice and to let the rest of the team go while they still had goalies. I can't imagine any other logic as to why my two worlds collided like that. <laughs> that really threw me to see that happen being down here, you know, in Binghamton in the Southern tier. And um, so just, yeah, that was very odd, but I think that that is proof of how much the coaching staff is paying attention to that. And, you know, Al, Al had some injury concerns last season. Right. It was very obvious towards the end of the season that he was playing through something and, you know, I'm sure that they don't want that repeated. So it, it, it it's nice to see that happening because one, one of my biggest criticisms of the Lightning organization as, the whole, as a whole is that they don't necessarily seem to be able to develop goalies as well as they can develop everyone else. And I think part of that is because they treat goalies like everybody else. And you, you can't. Yeah, because really there's only one Andre Vasilevsky. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the guy's been a workhorse his entire career. And you kind of saw it going into the season because you could tell all those games started to wear him down a little bit, probably resulting in the injury that shelved him for a little while. Uh, but no, that that's a fantastic point uh, in that regard. Um, and, you know, looking back at last season, I seem to remember Alnafal playing a lot of both games of the back-to-backs, which I'm sure, you know, wore him down quite a bit. Um, so this, this emergence of Tompkins as a legit backup is I mean, they're more of a one, a one B thing than a, you know, a starter and a backup. But again, I think that's going to be wonderful for the crunch moving forward. Usually when you have that one, a one B situation, it's because the coaching staff doesn't have confidence in either goalie, but it's funny because I don't think that's the case here at all. I mm -hmm. think it's exactly what, what you just said. I think that they're trying 
to ensure that the goalies stay healthy. And Coach Brew was very distrustful of like the ECHL backups in particular. And it was always a mystery whenever like Alnafelt would have an ECHL backup for whatever reason as to why they didn't get playing time. And, you know, I don't see that in coach Bouchard. I think that it helps that Halverson was up with Syracuse for, for that period of time. And he played himself into a contract with Syracuse. He started he as a PTO. He did. You're right. You're right. Uh, it was somebody else whose name I don't even remember now because I, they, they seem to have disappeared. I don't know where they went, <laughs> but, but, you know, Halverson played himself into an AHL contract with the crunch. So I, I think that that is almost like a security blanket that there is someone in the ECHL that coach Bouchard can trust and won't be afraid to play just in case someone has to go up to the lightning for whatever reason, or, you know, God forbid something else occurs. I won't even say what could no, occur. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> At this point in time, I'm just not going to bed juju. Um, <laughs> so I, I really appreciate the goalie dynamic right now up and down the organization. Yeah, you definitely got solid depth all the way through, and that's really that having goalie depth. I think is more important than having depth at any other position, as far as an organization wide thing. Because once you have goalie problems at one level, it just seems to permeate all over the place, more than anything Absolutely. else. So, I mean, that's that's for sure. Um, I'll tell you what, let's close this up with talking about the special teams. So the special teams, uh, the power play, the crunch, by the way, right now, they're 17.6%, uh, 28 for 159. That puts them at 19th in the AHL. Uh, let's see, in the penalty kill, they've been outstanding. They're 84.7%. They've killed off 150 of 177 power plays. That puts them at fourth, and they're scoring a heck of a lot of shorthanded goals because they got seven of those, which puts them at fourth in the league as well. So... All of this combined, you can kind of see this, right? So even if the offense is middle of the road, we talked about how good the defense has been, which in turn has helped the goaltending. And when you can kill off power plays and when you can get the power play goal when you need it, hmm, look what happens. Your team is in second place in the north getting ready to go into the playoffs because I don't see them falling out of a playoff spot at this point. No, I, I definitely don't either. And, you know, along with the penalty kill, being as good as it is this season. I think that that's great. I also think it's great that the crunch is in the middle of the pack when it comes to penalty minutes in the North division, because for, I don't know, it's probably since coach grew took over Syracuse has either led or been near the top of the North division by far in penalty minutes. And, and I, and I do think some of that just stemmed from the way coach grew had the team playing it was run and gun, and when you run and gun, you you sometimes gun more than run, and that results in penalties. <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes they just put a mannequin in the box just to make themselves feel like out there at home. <laughs> Even when they weren't on the penalty kill, just put it in there anyway. Just yes. throw us off. <laughs> so it has been nice. you know. Even with, I think, this team has also been more physical than previous crunch teams in the past couple of years. But I think you can also say that for the whole league. And, you know, I think that that does have something to do with trying to get fans back into buildings and teams reading the writing on the walls and knowing that the physicality, especially in this league, 
still draws people in. Sure does. But it's been interesting to see that even with some of that physicality aspect drawn back into the game, you know, the, the team has several players that are willing to to fight and do what they need to do. Um, Sean Element, one of them, I mean, Dumont will absolutely do what he has to do. Walcott's not afraid of it. You know, those players will will go to the bell if they need to. Um, but it's been refreshing to see that the team is taking less and less of those you know, kind of unneeded penalties, the mistakes, um, the the neutral zone is no longer an enemy for this team. They're not turning the puck over in the neutral zone, which they're not, which then they're not taking stupid penalties because they turned the puck over in the neutral zone. Those kinds of penalties aren't happening anymore. And so maybe the penalty kill is more rested than they were in the past couple of years. And that leads to better results. Um, maybe it's just the, the dynamics of the team. But both of those things have been really encouraging to see because, you know, especially as you look towards the playoffs, special teams can make a big difference in the playoffs since penalties, penalties tend to be less in the playoffs. The officials don't look at things the same way. So if you have a good power play unit or a killer penalty kill unit, it, it can be a difference maker in the playoffs. So that is an encouraging sign. Absolutely. That was a great observation about the neutral zone. I just got to think about the movie, The Goonies. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I'm just showing my age. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyways, Alex, last time you were on the show, you were so, so looking forward to Wizarding Night. How did it go? I got to know. It, it went, it went well. Um, you know, the team did a, a nice job with the theming. There was a poster that went along with the night that I have, I have framed in my little geek corner over in my living room. There was a t-shirt design with a crest that was similar to the Hogwarts crest. And I actually, so the, the Hogwarts crest includes like a Latin saying, and I, I the crunches did too, and I have yet to Google it because I'm I'm almost afraid to. <laughs> um, but you know that was that was fun. Um, there were people in costume. I saw a couple people with the same type of jersey that I had gotten from Box Lunch, and and you know it was it was a lot of fun i do think that the team was having some problems with their video board because there wasn't quite as many clips and things as i would have liked them to have but i don't think that was necessarily by design because a couple other things weren't working either um, and it would just figure that it would happen that night but overall i thought it was really fun and i'm i'm hopeful that maybe they'll bring it back in, I was gonna in say, do they have anything seasons. else similar anything similar coming up um superhero night which is the final game of like their crunch con kind of like comic con series where they had star wars night and then they had wizarding night and then superhero night would be the third of the, the trifecta of the crunch con games um so that's coming up at some point in time um as far as the overall theming pride night will be on the 24th um, which that's coming up and that's actually as a personal note, that's a night that I have a group of my coworkers coming with me to the game. So that's really fun. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to hosting the Shrek management team. 
Um, so that's kind of neat. And um, then the, uh, I think we talked about this once, the Syracuse Canal Mules. Yes. Night is coming up in about a month and a half. Um, so we, you know, once that gets closer, I'm sure we'll see what the jerseys are going to look like. But that evening is honoring the Syracuse connection to the Erie Canal and the uh, mules that used to help drive the, the barges down the canal. And if you want me to put you to sleep, I'd be happy to talk more about New York State history oh, and all of the things that I am passionate about. <laughs> I absolutely love history. I really do. Of course, we got the canal runs right to town here, too. So it's, it's mm -hmm. pretty cool. I'm just very curious to see what they're going to do for that night. I want to see the out on the ice. That's what I want to see. I don't know if that's what, on wheels. He just kind of runs along, you know. I don't know if that's what I want to see, but um, ah. you know, I'm very curious as to see like what the jerseys are going to look like. You know, the team did some really innovative things with the Salt City jerseys uh, last year. With the the numbers had a map of Syracuse with a dot where the War Memorial was located on the map. So so they did some really neat things last year with that theme. So it'll it'll be very interesting to see what this is going to look like because I mean a mule is not a usual hockey. You don't, backpack. yeah. You generally don't equate it, but I mean, hey, yeah. you know, it's certainly unique. That's for sure. You know, and, it, and I, I, I tell you, I think I might have to try to make it a point to get up there for superhero night too because that just sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I, they, I as a superhero though, I don't know. I can't. <laughs> I'm I'm a really pretty big Batman fan, but it's very much like Batman the animated series, um, right? You know, DC comics from like the early 2000s, Christian Bale type period. So um, I probably won't do much for dressing up for that, but you know, it it still is it still is a really fun point of fan engagement to be sure. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, you know I me. Mean, I'd probably try to dress up like Inspector Gadget or something and thrown <laughs> <get> out. <laughs> what is this guy supposed to get him out of here? It's, it's enough. <laughs> well, anyways, Alex, this has been so much fun. Uh, tell us about the latest episode of Syracuse Speaks. So this past week, I talked about the team's previous couple of games, including a very hard-fought series against Belleville. Uh, it was a very physical series. It was probably the most physical couple of games I've seen the Crunch play so far this season. And, you know, it was it was the first moment really in a long time where I felt just a little let down by the outcome of the game because I really thought that Syracuse played the better game. And that's just the way hockey crumbles. So I talk a little bit about that. I previewed the next couple of weeks for the team and, you know, including two more games against Belleville. So it will be fascinating to see where those go. And, you know, coming up towards the end of the month, I generally follow the same format. So I'll look back on those couple of games that the team has played since. And I will look forward couple of weeks, see what promotional nights are coming up, talk about the, those types of things. And, and also, as always, um, when we speak about promotional nights, I want to give a shout out to the team's upcoming At Your Service event, 
where the players are quite literally at the service of the fans. And it's a charity event that goes towards the Crunches um, foundational charity, as well as their sponsor, Kenny Drugs, and their charity. So it's always a fun event. The team has a couple of different things planned. And as we get closer to that, I'll try to hype that up as much as I can and discuss some of the, the interesting things that they're going to do with that evening. Absolutely. I think that's uh, coming up in March, I believe, right? Yes. Yes, it is. So, and that's, that's about usually when they have it. Um, in fact, you know, a couple of years ago, it was the last event I attended right before the world shut down because of COVID. Ugh. So, it, you know, whenever we start talking about this again, that's the event that pops into my head because sure. it was the at your service event. Then the team was away for a weekend and then the whole season was canceled. So, and it was not at our service. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. Oh, <laughs> uh, but well, I tell you, like I said, we just absolutely love having you on the show. And, uh, you know, we got to do this again before the season's over. Absolutely. I would we, love to come back and, and see where the team is. Pain, and... but... Yeah. <laughs> Jordy, you got any uh, hype videos coming or anything up on your uh, YouTube channel? Yeah, one's in the chamber right now. Obviously, UC season's almost over, so that one I'm getting ready for. And a lot of it right now is just little things because it's about the little things. That's right. That's right. Just ask Jeremy. He'll tell you all about it. That's, yep, a, you sure that's will. an inside joke on the show. We do, I'll, I'll, it's hysterical because he gets so aggravated with it. So, <laughs> But anyways, Alex, like I said, thanks again. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, you're always such a sport. I mean, I think I've had John like five or six times already, and you, you just always come on, and we just love having you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I love being here. I love talking about the, the team with someone else, and, you know, especially someone whose passion level meets mine for the league. And, you know, I, I appreciate you having me on and allowing me to extend my, my reach a little bit out to some different people. So thank you very much for that. Absolutely. Anytime. Okay, folks, I think that's all we got for this week. Again, thank you, Alex Ackerman from the Syracuse Speaks podcast. Thank you, Jordan Brockway, for being our great, awesome co-host, as always. And thank you for listening and watching wherever you are. All right, so until next time, take care and have a good one.